Hi everybody, this is Giuseppe Rossi and welcome to Pepito's Take. Before we start off, please subscribe below. Today, I have my boy Peter Curto here with me. A very good friend of mine. Pete, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm excited. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, me and Peter, we go, uh, we, we go, we, we go back, not way back. Not way back. Uh, we go back um, to the RSL days. The RSL days, the mm -hmm. Real Salt Lake City days. Um, I was looking for a team and um, I was able, my friend actually contacted you. Correct. And, um, and, uh, and I was able to, you know, find RSL as a team. And, um, and I started my MLS career, thanks to this guy, thanks to him and Mario and his team at Supra Soccer Agency. Bro, I want to know one thing. Let's hear it. I thought that I was the only Italian-American growing up when I was a kid that nobody understood uh, my values and my traditions. But I think I wasn't, I, I think I belonged in Brooklyn, where you were. Ah, Am now, I correct now you're finally. I think I belonged. I'm not saying I want to be from Brooklyn. Now you're. But I think I belong there. You're coming around. I think you're I belong there. You're coming around. You see that? Now, did you have the same problems as me that when I wanted to find a pickup game, it was for me. It was the hardest thing ever to find players to play pickup game. Did you have the same problems growing of up? Of course. In Unfortunately. Oh really? I, I, yeah, because as a soccer player yeah. or a soccer fan growing up. Yeah. It's like as if you're a second-class citizen. So, like, <laughs> there was nothing. Yeah. Then as I got older, you started seeing a lot of baseball fields turn into soccer fields nice. and just more development of the game and passion for the game. But definitely growing up, I mean, I, I played soccer at the youth levels. Mm. There was there was the Italian-American community, obviously, which was very passionate for the game. But maybe also because growing up my my mom didn't allow me to go out to the park so it was, used to just be my, my brother and i yeah. so we have like the the driveway and uh the garage yes. so both my brother and i are lefties and it so happened that you know it was a perfect angle to kind of now it's called the tiragiro right with insignia how of we kind of put it, del piero did it insignia. but yeah del piero del piero del piero, del piero. Proceed. I'm, just, I'm trying to get for your young fans here. You know, you have a lot of young you're fans. Right, you're right. Insane, they know Insigne. Okay. But Del Piero, the famous Tiragiro. But growing up, and I don't know, I don't want to jump the gun, but mm -hmm. I, a lot of people, if they watch IFTV, they know I'm an Inter fan or Inter supporter. I was just about to say, now, did you follow <laughs> Inter or did you follow the Brooklyn Italians? Remember? No, no, come on. <laughs> the we used to, Brooklyn Italians. Yeah, I mean, listen, Brooklyn Italians, there's a lot of history there and to win two U.S. Open Cups. For real? Yeah. They, so that's the equivalent to the Coppa Italia. The Brooklyn Italians won two of them. That's crazy. And they had a bunch of guys that are still working within the MLS or, um, you know, that were pro players here uh, in the U.S. At the time, that there wasn't a lot of options. Uh, but f growing up as an Inter fan, yeah. we had one lefty that was talent-wise probably top. Wait, wait. It, Recoba? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, good. I was okay. about to say, I'm like, I'm thinking about who's yeah. who's another lefty. If you think about it, lefties that play for Inter, you got Recoba, you, do, you know do you know who you have that probably nobody knows he was a lefty? Bobo Vieri. Yeah. Hey, Bobo, Bobo, Bobo Vieri, one of the biggest, you know, uh, bombers in the history of the game, bro. He was a lefty too, though. Yeah. So don't leave him out. Don't oh, no, no. Out. I can't leave him out. But for me, yeah. Recoba was special technically. Wow. I mean, you don't see a better player, how, how clean he struck the ball. And I was still young, but it's crazy to think like R nine, right? Yes. When when his debut, yes. Recoba stole the show. Oh, really? Recoba came in at halftime versus Venezia yes. and scored two golazos. Yes. One was on a free kick. Was one free on a free kick. kick. And then one was like outside of the box, like upper 90. Insane. I remember that. Yes. And do you don't that. see goals like that anymore. You're right, you're and right. so that's a discussion that we're going to take up even within the hot take. So I yeah. don't want to steal any thunder. Definitely, but definitely. like, I'm, I mean, we should even consider changing the hot take because <laughs> for me, players back in the day like yeah. the way that they struck the ball and the way that they play the game different world. it's different game different, different style world. of play different world but like unreal like some of these guys that i grew up watching and obviously you're a little bit older i don't want to give it away to anybody a little bit, a little bit older it's public news, Just go on <laughs> oh Wikipedia. yeah you're they can go on yours guys, i'm 36 <laughs> I, I mean it's very simple i think i think you all know well i just turned the third i just uh joined the 30 club welcome. so welcome we're only six years apart welcome. but uh, we grew up probably watching 
the oh, same players man. play. You definitely. Know? definitely. You Listen, I grew up a Milan side. fan. Yeah. I grew up a <laughs> Milan fan. So let me think. In the 90s, you guys were irrelevant. Oh, come on. In I the mean, 90s? It's true, it's true. It's true. In the, it's yeah, true. you guys had Until nobody. Moratti came in. Moratti came in late Until 90s. Until Moratti came in, yeah. yes. He did start investing. And then late 90s, in the 2000s, you guys, you know, picked that up big time. But when I was a kid, man... Truthfully, the biggest game for me, yes, everybody says Milan Inter. I enjoy, I, I enjoy Milan Inter. But, bro, when it was Milan Juve, yeah. no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, bro. Milan Juve was the game yeah. for me. Um, but then when, when I got older, uh, when I was in my teens, that's when Inter started becoming the Inter, you know, of old. Um, actually, it was that time that Milan won the Champions League and we beat you guys and then they started throwing uh 2003 2003 and then they started throwing all those um what do you call it uh, the fumogene the, the fumogene the... what, what do you call them in English I don't even know <laughs> just put the subtitles in there um the fumogene Nick you um, got that? <laughs> uh on the field and it was like crazy right flares so, flares that's flares. the word flares um that was crazy that's when I started like really like getting into the Milan Inter uh, yeah. rivalry, right? But then obviously when I started playing, I I started I started thinking about my own team. Correct. And I'll tell you actually why. I'll tell you why I didn't become a fan of Milan. A little bit of scoop, a little bit of mm. uh, behind the scenes. Mm. So after the Confederation Cup, 2009, I did great. Um, I scored two goals against the USA. I played good against Brazil and Egypt. I was playing in Spain at the time. Boriello, Boriello. He was on the team, mm -hmm. and uh, he comes up to me. He's like, "Listen, we're gonna get rid of Juntelar." And Galliani told me that they're gonna come after you. I'm like, Oof, "Bro!" Inside, I was so happy. I'm like, "Yes, I was a team of my heart, like my father. Like I've been so happy, perfect." Yeah. So, I'm following the summer, and they haven't gotten rid of Juntelar. Okay, I got rid of Juntelar. It comes the last week of August. Finally, Juntelar gone. Now I'm like, "Yes, here we go, man. I'm gonna. I'm waiting for the call." Never got a call. Never got a call. I was so pissed because courting to Marco Boriello, Galliani said that to him. And it kind of like, you know, made my hopes, you know, jump up. I was like, yo, I'm so happy that this is going to happen. And it never happened. So then after that, I took it personal. And I was like, you know what? I was like, screw that, man. Screw you guys. F that. And I, and I never... Did I, score? I never scored against Milan. I would have been so happy if I scored against Milan. But I did score against Inter. I did score against Inter at the San Siro. Uh-huh. How was that? I was playing San Siro. Sick, bro. It's sick. So listen to my first experience at the San Siro. My first experience was Manchester United. Um, I was 17 years old, and they were playing Milan in the Champions League quarterfinals or semifinals. I forgot what it was. I think it was the quarterfinals. And obviously, Sir, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson knew, uh, knew I was Italian, so he took me on the trip. So I trained the night before at the San Siro. And then, um, and then I wasn't in the squad. I was in Tribuna. But I was able to get seats literally on the field right by the bench. Bro, listen, I'm not joking. I was still a Milan fan. I was 17 years old. I was still a Milan <laughs> fan, bro. And uh, Milan won. won nothing. The There was a cross, I think it was by Cafu. Hernan Crespo on the second Oof. post. Headball. Bam. The ball went right over Tim Howard, I think it was. Tim Howard, boom, goal. Milan wins one nothing. But what sticks to me the most? Warm-ups. The song of me, and I think it was Eye of the Tiger. Bum, 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 bum. And then that's when Gattuso starts running out. Bow, all ball by himself, bro. I saw Gattuso. And I was like, yo, this guy is a monster, bro. He's going like, to eat everybody up, bro. I was like scared of Gattuso. Then. Like I was foaming like, at the mouth coming out, out wow. of the locker room. <laughs> like, I just, that was the best scene that I've ever saw, bro. Gattuso running there with the Eye of the Tiger song. You kidding me? Then the whole team coming out, the atmosphere, San Siro, everybody's literally on top of you. Yeah. Right, so like, in order to play a San Siro for Milan or Inter, but you need to have, you know, you, you need to have balls, bro. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was my first impact there, and then um, I was able to play there a couple, two times in my career, three times, sorry, three times, um, in my career, and um, I was able to score a goal like against Inter, like I said, a penalty against uh, Andanovic. Um, Who is the top up. top goalkeeper yeah, for then, penalties? Yes, back then he was he was actually High the percentage. number one, and uh, he used to. Save all penalty kicks, yeah. but I was make sure. But but I made sure I studied. I made sure I studied. Um, <laughs> now, how yeah, do you, so how do you study? Because I think a lot of people won't realize that you. Oh, how do you, you study, do you man? do you? Uh, how much studying goes into that? Oh, I take the night before, man, and okay. I and I ask the coaches for like a video. I'm like, yo, uh -huh. give me videos of every single penalty kick because 
I always like to see how they move, when they move, how their first step is if they go left, how their first step is when they dive right. Mm. Um, so there's like a lot of little tiny things to look for. Do they dive a little bit before that they kick the ball? Yeah. Or uh, do they wait till the last second? Mm -hmm. I was somebody who always waited. Till, I always waited for the goalkeeper to move. To move. Wow. And then I was able to slide it in left or right. Mm. Some goalkeepers didn't move at all. Mm -hmm. So if they don't move, then you have that extra second to shoot it wherever you want. And then he's not going to get there yeah, you just put in it time. Out. And that was Andanovic. Mm -hmm. Like talking about that, Andanovic was somebody who waited at the last second. Yeah, you know they do their own. They do their own research of too. Of course. And they knew that I was somebody who would stop all the time. Uh -huh. So I had many, I had many, uh, I had many goalkeepers that that waited till the last second. second. Some just couldn't help it, so I was able to always, you know, put them left or right. But some was tough. Him, uh, Buffon never. When I when I did take that penalty kick against Juve, he didn't move. So these were, you know, they 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 study us too. Of course. So we have to always be a step ahead. But it's always good to to hear, like even for for a lot of fans or people that are growing up that want to play soccer, or yeah. whatever. The importance of finding those little details, especially when it's it's a, a game, so you know, such as a, a via you know vis a vis in a penalty kick. Oh, you know, of course, bro. It's always that little stuff. Man. That it's little always that little thing. stuff. Because bro, you're talking about top top quality goalkeepers yep. man there aren't like scrubs anymore you know what i mean exactly so it's the small details that are able to get you through yeah uh, and you talk about you know italy you know luckily for people that are, that are watching yeah. we we made it into the euros you know oh lord so like we can we can kind of god that we didn't have to shoot any penalty exactly well because if i saw Jorginho <laughs> go up in there the and take a penalty yeah. kick i swear to gosh i would have gone through the i would have gone through the screen and be like what the hell are you guys doing and that's the thing so Jorginho ended up missing another penalty versus macedonia luckily we didn't need the penalty yeah, but bro you gotta be to like go a little in. bit smart bro he shoots at the same time exactly. every single time bro use a little bit like yeah. your head man like people start studying you mm -hmm. right and guess what? It happened to me in Spain where I where I missed it, and then I'm like, no, bro, I I, I hate the feeling of missing a penalty kick. And yeah. luckily in my career, I I think I missed three or four out of like forty. Yeah, it's the worst feeling. Yeah, missing. Well, you also have one of the highest percentage as penalty kick yeah. takers, so yes, that's still that's still relevant today because you look at you know someone like Jorginho that also had a high. He percentage did. at once and then literally miss four they 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 find you out they man, know what you're doing out, and his style yeah. also has got that little skip so he doesn't really have that chance to change a direction exactly. at that point you're going that way or else your knee is if gonna you don't move bro if you if the goalkeeper doesn't move when that when he starts jumping yeah it's game over exactly it's game over that's why i hate to jump and i never I wanted to that. jump because you're 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 in the air yeah and you can't twist your body left or right when you're in the air right so that's why i, n I never uh i never did that but you're right, man. Jorginho wasn't able to adapt, and yep. guess what? But I think Spalletti actually did say that he would that he would not take. Yeah, the goal. first he, he would he not came, take no penalty. Game. He came out in in a Spalletti way, in a sense, like, oh, you know, this is my guy. He's gonna take the another next penalty. Yeah, yeah. kind of show. But I think after a night's sleep, he was like, I can't it's have like, Jorginho come yeah. up, <laughs> and we miss another penalty kick, and we don't no, go no, through. No. Luck, you know, not luckily, but luckily. Italy was able to go through with a 0-0 draw, but it was not uh, a imagine, game for the faint of heart. Bro, imagine uh, if we didn't, if literally Ukraine was able to, if they called the penalty kick. Uh, I'm telling been. you, that was a penalty kick. Oh, yeah. I, I think that so, too. That was a penalty kick. I think so, too. A lot of people are complaining, not complaining, but they're, they're going uh, back and forth as far as what is, if it was a penalty or it wasn't. That for was, me, it is because you're going through the guy. You're, you're stepping lucky. on the guy. Guy's going and you're taking advantage away lucky, from but him. But imagine, bro, imagine them not making uh, uh, the tournament, bro. People don't realize. I mean, you know, Italy, you know, culture, football, soccer, however you yeah. want to call it. It's a matter of life and death, Hell you know. Yeah. And even the economy, everything that goes around yeah, of the game, you know, is is so important for for the bars, the restaurants. Uh, the shopping, everything Just is tourism impacted. Itself, tourism. Right? Having all the people out there. I mean, it's um, um, it's like you said, it's literally a big part of their life. And you have, yeah, you you have those people that don't care about soccer. Yeah, I mean, it's normal. But guess what? Those people who don't care about soccer get sucked in by their friends, by yeah. their families. And guess what? They're watching the game. Too. But especially the Italian national team. You know, like yes. you're maybe you don't watch the Serie A games or whatever, but you know what's happening because it's on twenty four seven. Like you go to a bar in Italy to get yeah. a coffee, they're gonna be talking about the game and what happened. You, the newspaper, everything 
it 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 circles around uh, the game. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Listen, I, I remember playing with the national team, and the pressure that you feel wearing that shirt, man. I'm telling you, man, that that thing weighs that thing weighs ten times more than your club shirt, mm. ten times more than anything, right? Because you literally have all those fans that are that are on you that are cheering for you and listen Italian fans they're critical man oh yeah so if you mess up one thing you're the worst player in the world you score a goal you're the best player in the world right so I can just imagine how or what the fans were saying in these past two World Cups that we didn't make oh. um, yeah we won the Euros and everybody was the best players in the world right sure but then we didn't make the World Cup so then now we're the worst players and now we barely made it into the Euros and now you got the fans that are like, you know, there's like, you know, they're like 50-50. So are we going to be able, your opinion, you think that we're going to be able to show our best version uh, come the Euros? Do we, do we have the team? So, I mean, I think the, we'll touch on it later, but the style of play yeah. and everything uh, about the game has, has evolved, right? Yep. Um, I think a lot of the reasons for Italy's maybe mishaps or not having these top players that we once had yeah. is also a lack of investment within the youth structure within Italy. Yeah. You know, you have top coaches, you have, you know, the culture is there, but I think investments could surely be uh, better and concentrated in developing talent. Players don't play in the streets anymore. You know, like a lot of these guys that are from Argentina, Brazil, these kids grow up still poor and still are playing in the streets because that's where you're going to get your creativeness in mm -hmm. in what you want to do on the field as far uh, you know as far as a flair or, or thinking outside the box doing something different um but you go you go to italy this national team i think spalletti he's he you know he he's just bringing, got he's, he he's, just got there he's bringing something back though right yeah. he's bringing back that love for the team again mm -hmm. i feel like yeah like how it was in the beginning with mancini yeah and he just got there. I think if you give him enough time, he, he's going to put together a, a strong performance and he does great work. Obviously, we saw the way that Napoli played mm -hmm. and cruised to the you know, to Scudetto Definitely. last year. Um, he's going to be able to, I think, build on top of what Mancini did and, like you said, bring the enthusiasm back. Yeah, um, you need the players, but like Chiesa needs to be healthy. When Chiesa's on, he's, he's a force to be reckon with yeah so see but that's the problem so first off investment you're right with that but also it's it's the trust factor right the trust factor of believing mm. in the young kids that you have because i feel like there there are a, there 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 is a lot of talent right in the in the youth systems it's just that that patience to wait for the development is not there right yep. so how can we change that how can that be something that we how can that be our way of breeding our young talent and not going out and buying every single uh, person from South America, Africa, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, uh, concentrating more on yeah. them rather than our own. Yeah. Right? So how can we figure that part out? Yeah. That's what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to, like, you know, wrap, wrap my head around because, yo, listen, Milan. Yeah. Milan just has this 15-year-old kid come yeah. out of that. Yeah. Come in, he played for 10 minutes, you know, uh, I see his numbers. I see what I see what what he's been doing at at a youth level, and still young. He's still raw, but it's great to see that a big team like Milan mm -hmm. is hopefully they will be investing more um, in the talent of of these of these young kids. Give them time to develop. Yeah. Hopefully, that's something that these teams could consider and see. Well, I definitely like picking off of that. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, like within Italy, all that counts is that yeah. you win the game. Like they don't care if you play a nice style. Yeah. If you lose, you know, after two three games, yes. the fans are calling for you to to leave to go. So the coach also, I think, has a responsibility where they're looking, obviously, what the objectives are in the in the season, yeah. but they have to also save their behind where they have to be able to say, oh, you know, I can risk playing these younger kids, but the trust might not be there because we know in Italy tactically, it's to the extreme even yeah. at sometimes where positioning and, and just being at the right place always, you can't necessarily trust a 16, 17 year old kid to do that. Yeah. But in other leagues, we see, you know, in Spain, you know, obviously in France, it's been so many years that younger and younger players are coming through, you know, 
Barcelona, Gavi. This kid is is remarkable, right? And yeah, he's they, so young. Yeah, yeah, but they take care of those yeah. young kids at, at, at a young age. Then when they come into the first team, they continue to take mm -hmm. care of them. They don't get lost among those big players. They don't get lost in the system. They still understand this kid's young, right? And I'm going to dedicate more time for this kid to, to, to develop. So I'm giving him the time. I'm giving him also my time as a coach um, to give him the tools that he needs in order to fit into the system. But what happens a lot is that the coaches don't want to spend that extra time. They don't want to spend that, that extra time with the young ones and uh, make them feel comfortable in the system. No, hey, listen, you're in the first team. You figure it out now. Yeah. That's what happens a lot, right? You figure it out. And bro, what, what, at 18, 19, even 20 years old, it's hard by yourself to figure these certain things out, sure. right? You need the loving care of the people around you, if it's the players, if it's the, if it's the coaches. And if you do give them the time and they don't respond, then I understand. You know what? It's not for you. You yeah. set you, uh, you, uh, you set on the side. But then what happens is that if you don't take care of the people, if you don't take care of that of those young players, right, and um, and uh, give them a little bit of confidence um, and being part of that system, what happens is that you're not going to breed players. And then guess what? You're going to have a generation without a number nine on the damn national team. Which you understand we're at right now. <laughs> Which is something that we have right now, right? And it's very. I hope I hope that I see this in Euros and they shut me up, right? Yeah. But I don't see. That number nine, like you said, right? We're talking about Bobo Vieri. We're talking about the people's in Sagas. And we're talking about, what was it, like 15 years ago, right? Yeah. That we won the uh, World Cup. Yeah. We had these, you know, bro, we had Del Piero. We had Totti. We had freaking Inzaghi. We had Luca Toni. Yeah. Up top, Gilardino, who barely saw minutes. But we yeah. had Gilardino. These are like four or five strikers that are like world class, bro. Yeah. World class. The last time we won the Euros, we, we had barely Immobile. You know what I mean? Barely mobile. And we got by because the team worked properly. Our our midfield was ridiculous. The best midfield yeah. um, in um, in the world at, um, at that time with Verratti, Jorginho, and... Uh, Barella. Barella, right? Um, but yeah, like we barely have that number nine player who could, um, uh, who could be that force up top, right? Mm -hmm. um, the last guy that comes in my head is probably, I don't even know, who was it? Malotelli in the Euros? But just like that, I mean, just in that tournament that he did very good yeah. in 2014, I believe it was. But you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard that we were. It, it, it's it's hard to breed players. Uh, hard to have these young players reach a certain level of play, a certain understanding of the game, a comfortability playing at these high levels if they're not taken care of at a young age, yeah. right? And um, I, I I think I was fortunate enough to to go away from Italy. At 17, and to go to England, where they literally took care of me yeah. as a young player, and um, and that's why I was able then to you know come back to Italy, do well, and then play and whatnot. So um, I feel bad sometimes for for the for the young Italian players who come in and who are brought up because they're not given they're not given that chance to um, uh, to learn to make mistakes. And to learn from yeah. them. Yeah. But what is the difference? Because, I mean, in Italy, obviously, you know, Totti started very young. Del Piero started <laughs> very young. Like, these guys obviously are generational talents. And, like, I already know where you're going with you, know, you know already, okay, these guys are top. I mean, any any guy that, even if you're blindfolded, you'll be able to figure out these guys are top and they're predestined to be great. But, I mean, Italy had, you know, young players coming in. So, like, why all of a sudden this change? Why... You know, like even like you said, that if you can go into different leagues, there is a blue, you know, blueprint to how to take I care do. of these younger yes, guys. Of course. What's the problem in Italy for you? Like, is it a, like just culturally that it's like sink or swim type of mentality or what? What's what? What is it? So this. So there's a saying that I that I heard from a Tupac song. <laughs> time is money and money is time. Uh -huh. And guess what? In today's day and age. That resonates with everything, even more than even more than what it was 20 years ago, right? Because 20 years ago, there weren't all these millions and millions of euros and sure. dollars that were thrown um, at the players. TV deals were like minimum. Uh, sponsorships were minimum. There was no social media where, yeah, I have to create a brand and this and that, and you're able to get paid millions and millions on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all this stuff, right? So... You had time to spare, if you if you want to call it like that, 
to build up these players. Like, I have a Totti. He's amazing. As a young kid, I'm going to have time to build him up, right? Because guess what? If he gets if he gets bigger, then I'm able to create a good team. And if we win as a team, then that's how I'm that then that's how I'm, that, then that's how I'm getting compensated. And you know, maybe I do sell him for 30, 40 million like back in the day, which was yeah. crazy numbers, 30, 40 million, right? Maybe I do sell him. So that was how they would um that's how they would make their money. So it was okay to spend a couple extra you know, years developing the the, the Del Pieros, the Tottis, the whoever it is that was coming up, right? Um, but today, bro, today it's everything's now fast, fast, fast. Like how uh, Rocco Comiso said uh, in one of his interviews, his famous interviews, fast, 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 right? Um, where, bro, they got to produce. You got to do it now. Otherwise, next. And who's next? And who's next? So that's so that's what I'm think. So that's what I believe mm. the difference is. Uh, between 20 years ago where we do have a blueprint but that blueprint doesn't work now because of this because of how everything needs to be like done on the spot like hey you got one game you got two games if you don't perform get the hell out of here and bro that's how you waste talent but that's just in italy though that's just in italy right because in spain especially in spain england yes but 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 in spain bro you're they give you the time to develop man that's why you have all these teams in Spain that have that young talent who are able to uh, reach certain levels. And then we say, I wish we had a Xavi. Uh, excuse me, I wish we had a Gavi. I wish we had a Pedri. I wish we had, I don't know, whoever it is that uh, that's in Spain right now, right? Yeah, I wish, I wish. Uh, bro, have some patience. Yeah. Uh, fi we figure out the mistakes that we're making and learn from them. But Italians don't care about that, man. No, I, Italians don't care I, about I think that. you put it perfectly because that's exactly, I think, even the mentality, speaking with, with family or, or just friends that are in Italy, it's obviously different, very different from the America. But I'm sure within Europe also there's yeah. different cultures, different mentalities even within Europe. But it's like if you would tell one of these owners, would you want the money now or more money in 10 years, they'll go for the money now. And obviously time value, money, so on and so forth, there's – economic majors that will tell you that's better to, to yeah. do, right? Because then you can invest, you can do other stuff. But when you're talking about football, we're talking about creating a product, yeah. you're going to be able to pick better fruit, you know, yep. later on because even developing a youth sector, it takes years. Hell you're yeah. not going to be able to have one, you know, done today and in yeah. two years be able to start picking. You're going to have to wait maybe five, ten years. And even at that point, you're still creating a subculture of your club so it, it's it's definitely you know it's money time as you said re referring to tupac shakur you <laughs> <laughs> made the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, i just wish they would keep the keep the business people doing business bro leave the soccer stuff to us soccer yeah. and to us athletes i wish it was like that yeah i wish it was like that but talking about uh talking about the youth um, I know that you and your agency, you guys represent a lot of uh, young kids that play in the MLS. Mm -hmm. So um, how are these kids being taken care of um, in the first team? Are they like the Italian way? Or are they giving them the liberty to make these mistakes and grow? Yeah. Well, definitely very different from the Italian setup. Um, even in, in terms of investing, yeah. like the the facilities are state of the art. A oh, lot of these, amazing, a lot man. of these new facilities are, are all done within the last five or so years. So, like already there, there's there's a serious investment in the sport. Um, as far as you know, young players making mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's not a high. It's not the level of Serie A or a top five European league. Mm -hmm. But you know, we're little by little, little narrowing that difference, okay. and I think it'll just you know, it's more so a question of time, because financially the u.s the structure and everything we're, we're sound there mm -hmm. um and and the players the younger players are given the chance to play with an mls there's also an interest for the mls teams you know ultimately yeah. we you know we talked about the business side of, of of the game and you know this is a way for younger players to play gain minutes you know put up stats put up what they have to do as far as game performance and then be you know being sold into whether it be a european yeah uh, powerhouse but even you know within europe let's say um where you know your your costs 
you know, youth setup and everything else, you know, might not reach, you know, 500,000, let's say, just put it on top end. And then you're within the MLS with, with the, the level of play and where the market stands right now, you know, you're looking to sell a younger player for upwards of 3 million. Yeah. So already there's a big advantage there for these club teams, obviously the owners and just the, the sporting direction in, in, in general, where it's looking for younger players to then develop, to then be sold in Europe. And the other way would be to look at like South America, for example, yeah. where even if you spend a little bit of money, uh, you know, you have a player that you buy for, let's say seven, 8 million mm -hmm. that you can eventually sell for 15 to 20 million. So that, that's been the real makeup of the MLS. Um, a lot of the younger players obviously grow up <laughs> dreaming of playing in Europe, and it's, it's going to remain that way you know, for, for a little bit. Uh, I don't foresee it changing much. The only thing that I see is the MLS growing, and uh, maybe FIFA or UEFA, things going to start changing as far as the Champions League format. Already we know it's mm -hmm. going to change, but I, I do think, you know, uh, this is just me speaking, not on behalf of anyone, but like the Saudi League and the MLS and these other competitions, they're going to create something. Oh, you think so? I among think, all I th of them, and yeah. they compete among each other, obviously, yeah, rivaling the Champions Correct. League of the uh, of Europe. Correct. And and listen, that you would be interesting. see that in the it. FIFA Club World Cup. It's going to be in the U.S. in 2025. Yeah, so people don't talk about it, but well, that's, that's interesting. Very very. How awesome would that be? Yeah. Getting all these other, because I mean, you have La Copa Libertadores, so that's taken over there. Mm -hmm. You have the Champions League in Europe, so that's over there. So like all these other emerging leagues, mm -hmm. if it's the Saudi, USA, um, it could be even Mexico, whatever it is, mm -hmm. like whatever, all these teams, Austra well, Australia, I don't even know. It's a lot of traveling if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you would have to, to set up a place where you That would be a, like a host city. That would be intense, yeah. but it would be actually fun to see and to watch. Could you imagine? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some bragging rights for the country. But listen, I'm going to... I was biting my tongue because I wanted to interrupt you a million times. I know. You know, I know. my take on I know your take. I know. You know my take on the, on, on the MLS. And I'm going to start off by saying that um, it's what I like is that they do give these kids a chance. Mm -hmm. And I love that, right? Yeah. And rightfully so, rightfully so, because hey, listen, if that's their business model, stick to it, do it, no problem, and I'm happy. Yeah. And I hope that all these kids' dreams, every single young kid in the MLS, their dream is not to stay in the MLS, yeah. but is to go play in Europe. And why do I say that? Because on the contrary of what you're saying, I feel like the level is very flat. It hasn't gotten better. Okay. The only thing that has that has gotten better is the investment towards stadiums, mm -hmm. towards training centers, um, you know, the marketing behind it. Amazing. Great yeah. work. But I'm I'm a soccer guy, right? Yeah. And I want to see the right product. I want to see mm -hmm. the good game played, right? And I don't think I've seen it evolve in that sense. And why? We talked about this a million times. I'm gonna say it again. You can't start a league from the top down, yeah. going down to sure. the bottom, right? You got to start from the bottom up. But going back to the famous Tupac song, right? Time is money, money is time. Um, the owners don't want to wait. No. They don't want to build from the bottom and go up, right? Come on, man. These are billionaires, bro. They're not going to wait. They're not going to wait. So that's why they're building this beautiful, shiny thing, which is the MLS, which is great for sponsors. Yeah, I'm going to get messy and then for these two or three years. The MLS is going to be talked about a lot. Yep. I don't care about the product. I just care about the marketing, yep. the marketing behind it, correct? Let's attract these young players. Let's attract these young players from South America. Uh, let's bring up these players. And then if we're lucky enough, we'll find a diamond in the rough to where we're able to yep. uh, sell out. A rebuttal to that. I yeah. mean, I agree as far yeah. as I, I do think that the level play has increased a little bit because okay. Beckham, when he was here, there were some awful teams. So it did change a little. And I think I, I agree as far as the overall product is not where it should be. Yeah. And I think they could do things that are a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, a little take on it is, for example, if you're going and you have teams spending $15 million for an Insigne per year, instead of spending it all for Insigne, make sure you spread it out for the whole roster where you can get maybe not $15 million players, 
but $5 million players in every position where the overall quality of the team and the quality of the league is growing. Because the problem in America is not about soccer fans or football fans. fans. man. There's, it's fans. not about that. They are and fans. We're from two areas, you know, northeast for, for, for sure, but yeah. northern Jersey, I mean, between the Italians, Polish, Portuguese, Brazilian, oh, like these are all guys that they they grew up on 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 coffee and 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 it's soccer. soccer That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yes. So the fans are here, and there's fans that they wake up at six thirty in the morning to watch a game in and Europe. You got, and you got people playing at one o'clock at night. Oh that yeah, are, that are renting out all these bubbles to play oh, yeah. for 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 an hour. So Think soccer fans that. exist. It's yes, MLS fans, and MLS have to realize, hey, the way to do it. Is to build the quality of the of the of the team and the roster, and, the, and, and not the just that roster. one individual, and not just the one, because no one's oh, gonna no. care to go and see. Yeah, it's great to see Insigne, yeah. and I, I pick his name, but even let's use Messi since nobody picks on Messi. But yeah. everybody wants to go see Messi. Yes. But could you imagine if you had quality throughout the whole roster, the type of games that exactly. will happen that's and exist? People, that's what the fans now fall us, in love exactly. with. They fall in love with the product. They don't fall in love with the beautiful marketing and all the beautiful colors. Right? Yeah, great stadium is great. But if the game is not good, they're not gonna come back. Exactly. Like that's but 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 see they don't they don't care. The owners don't care. Does Don Garber care? No, he doesn't care, right? Because it's the billionaires who own them. Yeah. And they're the ones who make all these decisions. So are you making the best decisions for the fans, for the league, or for your pockets? Yeah. And it's always been about the pockets, right? Yeah. And in order my gosh, I could talk about this all freaking day. Yeah. But in order to start, like I said, from the bottom is investing in the youth the proper way, setting up a proper structure yeah. for the youth. Bro, the youth today, there's like a, I ask my cousins and my friends, you know, where are you playing? Oh, this league here, that league there, that league there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all messed up. There's a million leagues because everybody feeds off of these leagues and off of these young kids, man. Yeah. And, I, and I hate that. Find the right structure. And when you do find the, the, the right structure where it leads you from playing academy and then giving you the possibility to to go to the MLS, hire the right people to teach the game to these kids. Because today you find you find play, people that don't know the damn game, bro. They yeah. don't know they don't know how to teach a kid how to play. They read a damn book and then they think that they could go out out and train. But if you ask them a question, their answer is work harder, go faster, go slower, <laughs> jump higher. Like very general crap. Yeah, yeah. What are you teaching these kids? Are you yeah. able to sit the kid down and break down and and maybe modify? modify the exercises that you're showing your kids to where they're able to get it and then build off of that. They can't do that, bro. They can't go off yeah. the grid and then come back. No, no. It, they're stuck on their they're stuck on this. They're stuck in, in the book that they're reading or what they see on YouTube and then try to implement it. And they can't even explain to you why they're even doing it. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's it, the huge problem. Yeah, it's it's like you said, I think and I'm not saying anything new here. Got me heated with you, this damn USSF the soccer federation does a poor job of organizing all of soccer that exists in the, in the U.S. Yeah. It's very uh, segregated. MLS makes up their own rules. USL makes up their own rules. NISA makes up their own rules. Every league, every year, every four or five years, there's a new league that comes up. So there's no structure there. And like you said, you have a lot of players that go missing or don't have the opportunity to play yeah. because maybe it's politics or just not having, like you said, the correct coaching education of people in the right places because we do not have the structure. I'll tell you another reason why kids go missing and talent goes missing. Bro, you got to pay $5,000 to yeah. play Academy. $5,000. Yep. Who? Bro, oh, I know. It pisses me off, it's, bro. It's bothersome. Five freaking yeah. thousand dollars to make kids go play. Yep. Are you kidding me, bro? Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? Because there's no structure to sell a player. Because they changed the model. The business model has changed. Pay to yeah. play, right? Exactly. So let's not put it, you know, like for example, uh, Parma, right? You play for Parma, yes. that it was free or whatever, right? Yes. That housing. But the idea for Parma was to make money off of you. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the way that they were going to make money was in a different way, yeah. right? So uh, here it's, okay, I'm paying for my own coaching education, but then I'm free like the, the cartelino, my player yes, I got uh, card is free to go wherever I, I want to because I'm paying for my yeah. own thing. So it's a, it's a different model. Obviously, it also hurts players because soccer worldwide is the poor man's game. Mm -hmm. And in the U.S., it's the rich man's game. Yes. Because if your father can't get off at three to go drive you to practice yep. 
or you your, your parents work on the weekends or where you know and, and no one's able to drive you to the game mm-hmm. you're not playing on a travel team you're not playing on a, a higher level team you're stuck playing in whatever rec league or whatever yeah, league whatever it is something who, where you can play play in the streets or playing whatever and you miss out on a potential opportunity now you always have guys that can kind of get out of that and, and figure out their own way but how it's structured we're not in the position of really being able to find and develop talent now they have the high right the the mls academies yes there are teams out there that they play fantastic football and we have to go watch a couple of games I would love to go where you see U13s the way that they press the way that they play yeah. technically they they don't mess up a touch it's insane kids 12 years old you got to see the stop you got to see what the the, music to the dribbling the cutting in like amazing football and there's certain teams that do it the right way and there's certain teams that don't exactly but it's limited because guess what in new york like look at england london yeah. There's over, I don't even know how many teams just in London alone. And the New York City, you know, tri-state area, yes. the amount of people oh God. does not allow for two professional teams. But no, but so and then, that's that, where we're at. So then there you go. So then there's the structure on how are we able to filter talent that eventually will go and play for these youth, these youths of Red Bull, of NYCFC, right? Create another league a league of like a league yeah. below it where it's kind of like like a feeder league for these players uh for these teams to where they could go and choose the right talent and do so right yeah. but like there's got to be a structure man there's got to be something rather rather than just stealing five thousand dollars from these uh from these people's pockets to where to where um you lose so much more talent along the way because guess what maybe that family can't, can't afford pay. it right yeah. and there's so much there's so yeah. many families and so many situations like that uh, where this talent gets lost. Oh, yeah. But there's got to be a structure. Give me a damn structure, right? And then, bro, talent will be, will, would, will be like, no, every that... year, bro, produce talent. They'll be producing talent, producing talent. And then that's how you start getting your quality of better uh, play in the MLS, right? Because you're paying so much more more attention to detail and their development um, to where, you know, uh, you're getting, instead of getting one guy a year where you're selling them for like 10, 20 million to the euro, you might be getting a bunch, four or five players now coming yep. in through the youth, developing the right way, and then sending them out. But there's got to be a structure, bro. And nobody wants to go through that time, right? Because it, because it is time consuming. Yeah. How long has the MLS been around? 30 years? 35 years? And what? We, 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 we just made it to like a second team? Yeah. There's like a second team now? Yes, there are some teams, you're right, that there are youth systems, right? They have the youth yeah. and... Uh, not all teams have uh, the youth now, in the MLS, right? No, now they do. They all do. Now they, they do. do. It, but from under like what, uh, under eight, nine, ten, all the way up, right? Is yeah, that how it works. No, no. Now, now the MLS teams, they all have the youth sector <laughs> set up and everything. So basically, you're telling me that it took um twenty plus years to create the youth systems. So you think that this is going to take as much time to find the right structure, even that. Even for those those academies that are not affiliated with the MLS, I, I you think, think it's gonna take that much time in order to get this going, or there's too much greediness and 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 too many hands in the cookie jar. I think the clubs that are affiliates do not know their rights per FIFA. There you go, and do not understand how the mechanism should work because there's solidarity payments and training compensation payments due, okay. and the MLS doesn't recognize that. Yeah. But it is something by FIFA laws that is supposed to be recognized. So there, there's that conversation. Okay. It's USSF as a, as the soccer federation yep. that doesn't have any stance. Like they never put out any information. Yeah. Okay. And that's the biggest issue. And, you know, there's politics. Because you have, you know, even MLS and USL, right, right now they're going... You know they're they're competing against each other. Yes. So there's the politics in that too. The dumbest. Thing so you know there's all these things that kind of come into play where uh, it's it's not so easy when everybody wants to be different and there's no central organization. You know that we have in America we have the monopoly yes. laws where you're not allowed to have just one. If for example Giuseppe Rossi wanted to create a, a American Basketball League and yeah. call it the ABL. Yeah. 
and you can put together the requirements for a first division sanctioning, yeah. you can have a first division basketball league that is not the NBA. Yeah. You'll probably last two days yes. because financially and everything else, you can't compete with the NBA. But based on our monopoly laws, you're allowed to do it. Yeah. So that's the thing. We have a lot of leagues that can be created and want to be, you know, to also get investors to like come I in. Said, We're going to push for first division. We're going to put this sanction. That's it. <laughs> in the cookie jar. Yeah. How can we uh, create a structure to where these hands slowly start getting away from that jar, baby? Yep. Because we need to find a way to get to get something healthy, to get to feel healthy when we talk about youth soccer. Mm -hmm. But I feel like every time we talk about youth soccer, bro, there's always there's a million complaints and there's and there's a million of uh, bad thoughts that go into youth soccer. Um, it's disturbing because it was never like that growing up, man. It was never like that. Yeah. I remember I paid two hundred dollars for my kid when yeah, I was, was when, when I was ten years old. Yeah. And now we're talking about five thousand dollars, man. Just yeah, bother. but those two hundred dollars used to buy a. Uh... A month's load of groceries back then. Ah, oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> now right. you can't Man, even go get right groceries. It, it does make sense. But, it does make sense, but still, it, it's an exaggeration. It's an exaggeration. Yeah. Um, but we'll go into because you said hands in the money jar, and I know the conversation was about agents. Yes. So that's why I wanted you on. You, you want me on for? I wanted you on. I wanted you on. And I guess not, I'll defend. I'll defend the. Uh, you'll defend them, and I'll <laughs> and I'll defend uh, my guys. But talking about agents, and that's another. Now we're talking about you know high level, and um, you know no more about the youths. But yeah, it could be about the youths to where uh, agents have created their own little world, um, and redirected everything regarding transfers mm. and where the player goes and doesn't go. And uh, the payment structure of how agents get paid, which is, I think, very different from U.S. and Europe. And I know Europe because that's where I played all my mm -hmm. career. Um, they took over, them and the directors, right? Which makes it hard even for a young player to be, to be playing wherever, you know, they decide to go. Because I could go to, I could go to an agent right now and be like, hey, listen, I want to go play for... Fiorentina, right? But the problem is the agent won't be getting that commission from Fiorentina that maybe Napoli uh, sure. would be paying, right? So, so, guess, so, guess, so guess what? It's not about the best interest of the player. It's about the best interest of the agent. So, Giuseppe, I'm sending you to Napoli instead of Fiorentina. Yeah. But I don't want to play for Napoli. It doesn't matter anymore, right? So the agent doesn't work for the player no more, right? Because the payment structure of commissions rather than based on the salary. Yeah. Which let me, you let me know if I'm wrong. It's changing. Aren't they going back to in the US or Europe? In Europe, in Europe. Are they going back to what that 5% off of the salary? Yes. Yeah, so or is it is it the same thing about the commissions and whatnot? So FIFA now is coming down on an agent so they okay. they, they they put together new rules and rule. regulations. Yes. But um, there is now uh, some, obviously, complaints from the agents, but also lawsuits that have put a hold on, on certain things in certain countries. Okay. I think there definitely should should be some sort of regulation. It shouldn't be like a wild, wild west for agents. Yes. But at the same time, I think whenever you, you want to create laws, you need to also have the other side there present at the table with creating. Okay. So then there's an overall understanding. Because I think... You know, obviously, the agent gets the bad rap, right? As of, but there's a lot of agents that are not working with the top top players. They're still finding opportunities for young, for other guy, other players. Yeah. And putting a certain cap or putting a certain uh, commission number mm -hmm. on things might be hard for them to be able to continue working in that capacity. Okay. But I do believe that there should be some type of regulation. It shouldn't be that an agent. Uh, you know, that just comes to a team, and like you said, can say, hey, you want this player? This is my number. You don't give it to me, he's not coming. And, you know, that is something that happens too often. A lot, yeah. You know, it happens too often. And there's there's agents that kind of able to create the market or have the market in their, in their hands because mm -hmm. of it. 
And I feel whenever you do something because of you as yeah. the agent, rather than what's in the best interest of the player, then that's when you kind of lose your duty to the player. And unfortunately, you act against the player's wants and needs. Because yep. ultimately, like these are things that we've always looked at, you know, with Mario, obviously, you know, Mario, my partner, yeah. and I, it's not how much money can I make now. Yeah. It's got to be what's the best project for, for a player, right? And what's the best opportunity for the player? Because yes. then, guess what? I think, I feel that if, if you pick the right team or have the right team and there's a process, then the money will come. The money will come back to you. You nailed it on the head. And when they said about picking the right team. Yeah. And then and relationships because ultimately this is a relationship. Yeah. Business where if you don't care for the other person, people are going to sense it right away. Mm -hmm. And at ultimately it shouldn't be a matter of, you know, you speak to your accountant once a year because you have to do your taxes. Good goodbye, good luck. Yes. Like you need to also have a, a part in the person's life. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have that relationship. And it's important, I'm sorry, and it's important you say about picking the right team because what happens is that when agents speak to directors, they're, the agent is speaking to a team that doesn't fit the player and the way that he plays. But that goes, but that's not even a thought in the agent's mind. So then you're sending this player because you're getting a good commission to a team that's not suited for him. And guess what? The player's lost. But it doesn't matter because guess what? The agent has somebody else. Yeah. Right? And then the agent has somebody. So then you're literally just throwing around players. Uh, not caring about what how their development is going to be yeah. or how they feel on the team because you make your nice money and you put your and then you put your money uh, in your pocket and then you start thinking of, uh, and then you start thinking of other things. So that's why, like you said, there has to be um, a certain there has to be regulations to where to where the player and the agent literally act as one to where that relationship is back in place. Like how when I first started, that's how I felt. Towards the end of my career, it was the total opposite. As if, yeah, you know what? I know this director. Go to go to this team, Giuseppe. Go to Celta Vigo. They sent me to Celta Vigo because they had because Celta Vigo needed the player. Boateng was supposed to go there to Celta Vigo, and uh -huh. he was my agent's uh, player. Uh -huh. uh, it it didn't go through. And they're like, you know what? I'm 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 gonna throw Giuseppe in there. Hey, Giuseppe, you wanna go there? Boom, boom. So then he was able to make his commission. Uh -huh. You understand? And 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 it was at at, at the last second of um of the market while i told them a month prior i want out yeah right so like you start feeling as if like you're a ragdoll sure right you start feeling like you're a ragdoll and i hate that and i hate that feeling and that's why i said i'm breaking up contract with my old agents i'm gonna do it myself because listen i could i i i negotiated my last two contracts of my career all by myself right um, and then I was in contact with you guys for for the MLS, and it was a, and it was a different scenario. Yeah. But I'm talking about back in Europe, man. It's literally a wow, wow, West, like how you said. Yeah. And um, I'm happy that there's talks about it. Of course, the agents are 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 pissed off, right? Because I'm turning your know, bottom line, bro. <laughs> uh, the money these guys are making is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like literally, you can't go. What was it, Wolverhampton? You couldn't. Sell a player at Wolverhampton mm. if it didn't go through. Uh, who's the Portuguese guy? Jorge Mendes. Yeah. Like, are are we are we crazy right now? Yeah. Like, how does that even work, right? So these guys are literally running, um, a, are running an operation that has nothing to do with soccer, almost, right? Yeah. Because no, they don't give a crap about the ball or about what the player is. It's just about them and and directors and whatnot. So, uh, but I'm happy. That you guys are doing it the right way, um, and I hope I hope that you know people start um, seeing the ways that seeing the way that you guys do it, that the players, your players, talk about it, right? Because that's what that's ultimately what we want as players, right? We yeah. want that relationship with the agents, and knowing that you guys are by our side and you guys care about us too, and not only about your needs, right? Um, and that's how you're able to build uh, the right relationships with the players, because like you said. Uh, that's that's one of the most important things. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's the number one thing I think for for any time you're gonna have a relationship with agent and player, you need to have you have to be on the same wavelength. You have to be at the same level of goals and what you want in your career. 
you know, then obviously there's always the the time where you can have a difference in opinion, right? Yeah, you can advise a player. You can say this. You can, you know, say this. You should try to do this or, or whatever the case might be, right? Definitely. But ultimately, the player is the one that chooses. Yeah. The player is the one that needs to be 100% committed to a project or wanting to do something or else it's going to show on the field. Yes. You know, if if also, you know, if the player has a thousand and one thoughts, yes. it's going to show on the field. So like my role is to be able to take some of that away, be able to help in different ways. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the player is able to focus on his career, focus on the game. And then, you know, with the network and help to look for different teams. And like you said, identifying the right place to play that's how you're going to flourish because the, you know there, there's teams everywhere in this world yep there's different leagues there's different stuff so it's also you know i heard this once from an agent because and i'll say it here mm -hmm. because for certain agents like it's like they might not even like a certain player i don't know if it's their own player because you could also do an intermediary transaction yes, for other players but like and he's like i don't see what's what this sporting director sees but it's not my objective or my choice to yeah. like the player or think this player is going to do well on your team yep. my job is to bring you who you want so if you want somebody i'll do it because i'll get paid on that yep. so it's interesting how that works because it kind of is counterproductive to say hey you know i know this is not this house is not going to be built the right way but we're going to do it anyway because and then, that's and what just, the, the, the owner wants and it shows you by what you're saying right how important you guys are also to the development of these young kids, right? Yes, the coaches, the training, but, but also you guys, right? Having that right guidance. Yeah. Because if you start doing like how this guy um, is the middleman between the players, uh, between the team and then all the players, and I don't like this player, but I don't care just as long as I get paid, and you're just throwing them to the wolves. Yeah, here you go, throwing them to the wolves, and he's in a crappy situation. Yeah. His development... Starts going yeah. down, and then we and then and then we lose the talent, right? Yeah. So you guys, you guys are important, also with that. Young players, let me tell you, it's very hard because they st they're still starting, and you don't know the responses from a player. Yeah. So things that won't bother a ten-year veteran yeah. could bother the player that just come up, right? Of and so that whole part can then influence his next steps mm -hmm. or not playing or this or that. So it's even more of a delicate situation because you need to be able to weigh everything to figure out what could be the right next step. Yep. And like you said, the wrong step at that point, you, you always have a chance maybe to not so much the wrong step, but like, okay, this didn't work out as yep, we planned. I have time let's let's figure out the next exactly. thing. But after two, three times, it's very hard. Yes. You know, in, in your case, even, you know, playing with the different teams that you've played with, yeah. you always have the credibility yeah. already. You don't have to prove yeah, anything. You didn't have to prove anything at yes. the end of the career. Oh, it was when you're young, more so, you know, injuries. Injury, yours. Yeah, exactly. yours was injuries. Exactly. Because if you weren't injured, there'd be nobody in their right mind that wouldn't take you. Yes. Let's put it that. like that. I agree with that. Okay. But for a young player, <laughs> they don't know who you are. Yep. No one's going to just. You got to prove it. Yes. Yeah. You, you got to prove it. And you have to be, you have to be, um, you have to be ready for those moments, yeah. right? Not only, yeah, technique, physical, but up here, you got to be ready, right? Because you have everything, physical, but if you don't got this, if you don't have that support that maybe you need or that extra push or that extra uh, word of encouragement when you do have these have these big moments from your family, from an agent, from players, from co if you don't have that, if you don't feel that, then you're alone. So you're like you're literally alone yeah. as an 18, 19, 20 year old player in this crazy world oh, yeah. that is the soccer world, that is the sports world, right? And you get lost and like you literally sink as fa like so fast in this world. So um, are you able to create to have the right people around you uh, to do so? And um, Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. You said it best, man. You can be the best player. You score a goal. You're the best player. Everyone loves you. Yeah. You have a bad game. You're the worst player. You hate. So and that screws up. That's your mind as yeah. A kid, man. I can't. You know. I can't even imagine kid. it because I never experienced it. You know. But 
a, a young player or just any player in general in a player's career, yeah. it never goes like this or just stays like this. Nope. You're literally on a roller coaster of emotions yes. where it's not even a matter of years. It's a matter of days that things can change go and, down, and go up and down. And especially so, at, at that young age, you yeah. need to have you need to have you need to have the right guidance. Once you're older, listen, you know, I had my you know, I had right. my ups and downs uh, in my late twenties and thirties, and listen, I was man enough to you know take care of them on my own. Sometimes, yeah. yes, I always needed um, a pat on the back, but I was able to because you know I I went through a lot of stuff. So experience plays a big part, but there is no experience at 17, 18, 19, uh, 20 years old. There is no experience. Yeah. yeah, so many ups and downs, man. Um, at a young age, and I'm sure that you see that with your players that you have. Um, but I'm curious. I'm curious about one thing with your players. Mm. And with this, we're going to transition into Pepito's hot take. Your players. You got a lot of young players. Do you have, do you have number 10s? We do. You have 10s? Yeah. Now, there's a big debate that the, that the number 10, the number 10 positions are solely evaporating. No more number 10s. After Messi... I don't know who is the next number 10, if there, if there is another 10 in this world. So my question to you is, do you prefer seeing soccer with a number 10 being played? Or do you prefer the soccer being played today where it's, where it's a more direct type of game? Uh, speed, trying to get to point A to point B as fast as we can. Um, four, three, threes. Uh, three five twos where there's a lot of wing play and um you know not so much uh having this this fantasista this mm. this person with a with an imagination of the game that can create something uh in such a small little space um are you a fan of of that of that of that number 10 type of game or the modern game uh, i'm I'm a nostalgic fan where I need the 10. Like I'm I'm seriously on like withdrawals to be able to have the old style and the you know like even the rombo right the, yes. with the trequartista right yes, yes, yes. there. I mean I think that you you know you obviously see how the game has transformed yeah. and what it's become and you can appreciate certain styles and changing of of the game, of right? Uh it's quicker it's it's you know a certain style where it's you more have direct, to more, so the more fans, direct. They, yeah. they're more involved in the game which is great yes yeah. but there's something about when a player is able to create something out of nothing the elegance right well, the elegance yeah. of a number 10 if it's a messi if it's a uh, zidane if it's uh, help me out uh, who else is there ronaldinho um, a totti you know these are players bro that like technically uh, were so beautiful to watch. And yeah, you're saying all oh, these players, they don't run or they don't do. I don't give a crap about the running part, bro. What are you able to do with that ball? The, the way that they're able to uh, manage it, the way that they're able to create an, an advantage for their team with what they do in such a small little place, um, it, some people don't see it. Some people just don't see it because you have to have that yeah, I think I feel like you have to have that eye. Like you have to be a true soccer fan to appreciate it. Um, today, there's a lot of new soccer fans, right? Uh, especially here in America, that are learning the game, right? And they never really saw the number ten. They don't understand what the number ten does. Um, the elegance and the the, the technique, the imagination, mm -hmm. correct? Um, even the support that he's able to give to his team from midfielder i need to find somebody boom there's 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 my number 10 oh, yeah. the forwards i'm in a crappy situation number 10 comes underneath and he's there to give and then you're able to get out of a pressure right so the way that the the way that the number 10 i still remember Rui Costa, bro yeah, Rui Costa was, was one of the greats man talking about me i used to love watching him play mm -hmm. um at mina having a player like that that's able to um you know help the team flow uh each time we have the ball it, bro it's it's special and it's something that just is lost and like you said there's beauty in today's game and there's a lot of things that i appreciate and great things that we see but i love 
I love having that type of style of play when there's a 10 involved and he dictates the tempo of the game. Pablo Mar. Remember, remember Pablo Mar? Bro, what a player. Oh, my God. What a freaking player, Pablito Mar. Great player. Yeah, these are... I just, I just mentioned... You know the best players that the game has ever seen, Maradona, all these players. Oh, like they're like you know the best players that the game has ever seen, and they're the players who always operate in the middle of the field. The number ten operates in the middle of the field, yeah. which is the hardest place to operate because that's where most players are, sure. right? But these great players were always able to get out of it. We're always able to find a solution yeah. when they're in this tight space because of that imagination, because of that technique, because of the understanding of the game is so quick in their head. That um, that that it's so much faster than than the people that are around them. That's why they're not able to stop them. All the all the the pure tens is just a beauty and an elegance to to the game that you 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 really can't. You know what's great when you like. talk about the tens, bro. You have a smile on your face. Oh yeah. If you talk about wingers, you're like, oh yeah, wingers are good. Yeah, <laughs> but when you talk about a ten, bro, it's that smile. Yeah, but that's what the the players that I've always been imprinted uh in a lot of people's heads and 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 the dreams of of of, of fans have always been the number 10 exactly. that jersey too it's exactly. such a classic number that everybody wants growing up you always want the 10 i think the game will change uh, again it goes through it's, phases it's just, it goes just, through phases yeah, but definitely a matter of uh, bring time. back the 10 yeah bring back the 10 that could be the title of this podcast well, bring back the 10 i don't know if you heard this but messi yeah. When he got to Inter Miami, yeah. he was telling all the younger players, yeah. you're running too much. Stop <laughs> running. Let the game come to you. He just became a bigger and, idol of mine. And so that that's the reality of it. It's, yeah. you know, obviously the, the athleticism and, and all those parts of the modern game is, is, is great to yeah. see, right? Like you see, it, it's a much quicker game. Yeah. But, like, soccer is, is more of a skill game. Mm -hmm. compared to the other let's say american sports like it's a certain skill level that you need to have and and, and hone and you know i the the thing is like the ball runs faster than uh, than the any players. person yeah. and the, the player like if you're moving that ball and you're 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 put in the right position and you have the technical ability yeah. you can get out of most situations every situation you know yes so uh, that was just a funny little antidote from from Messi saying, That's "Hey, great. you don't have to run after every every ball. The ball will eventually come back to you if you're in the right position. Yes. Just I know wish, the spacing. I wish know where you are. To that. I wish people would listen to that and implement that. Yeah, and implement that because we want the number ten back. Yes, sir. Uh, Pete, thank you, bro. Thank you thank for this you. podcast. This was great. I really enjoyed talking to you, bro. Um, and I uh, hope to have you again on the show. Sounds good, All right, man." Sounds good. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon.